0: We do welcome you this morning. Uh, as much as I want all of you to hear the message, if you're one of the children here today, uh, one of our Salem kids, if you will make your way on out right now. And again, to you that are watching by uh, online or watching later on, we welcome you today. Um, We are thrilled that you have joined us and all of you here today. We're glad you're here. My name is Dwayne Carson. I serve as the head of school for Salem Baptist Christian School. And uh, if you're looking for a great Christian school for your child, enroll them now. We still have some room. I also get to serve as a pastor here, uh, working with Pastor Kivitt, and it is indeed a privilege to be working with him, and uh, today we have the opportunity to share God's Word. We continue with the, the uh, series, Our Story, His Story, and today we're going to make a transition from David to Solomon. And the way I want to introduce this transition from this great man David to this new king Solomon um, is with a personal story. Uh, In 1999, I took a group of students along with many others to Israel. And while we were there, part of the tour was to visit Israel king david's tomb and as we went there i made a mental note that if i'm ever again in israel with my family especially my two boys i have two boys Kirk, the oldest, Clayton, the youngest. I uh, I wanted to do something special for them, and sure enough, in 2010, we had a chance to take our entire family to Israel. And so, when we got to the point where we were going to be going to David's tomb, I I told my two boys because you you can only go on. As either on the male side or on the female side. So I'm gonna be with my boys, my wife will be with the girls. I said to my boys, I need you to make sure you have your Bibles with you today. And so when we get to the tomb, I told my boys, I said, I want you to take your Bibles. I pulled them aside and turned to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. And I said these words to my two boys, who were at that time 14 and 11. I said, boys, If by chance, if it were God's will for him to take me home suddenly and unexpectedly where there would not be time for any last conversation, I want you to know that if I am suddenly in heaven, I want you to immediately go to 1 Kings 2.2 because what David said to Solomon is what I want to say to you. David said to Solomon, I am about to go the way of the earth, of all the earth strong. Strong and show yourself a man. I told my boys, I want you to underline those words. Your daddy wants you to be strong and show yourself to be a man. This morning we make a, a transition. And this morning, we're going to move where David is going to hand off the baton of leadership to Solomon. And he is going to give him a challenge. Now, David, we know him the past few weeks. We've looked at his life, a man after God's own heart. What a a testimony. A man that was willing to go onto the battlefield and take on a giant. He was unafraid because he knew God would be with him. He trusted in God. He had been faithful in taking care of his dad's sheep. And because of being faithful, he would take on a lion. He would take on a bear. But it wasn't David who delivered himself from that bear that lion. He knew God delivered him. And now he would take on a giant. And he knew God would deliver him from that giant we know that david while he had incredible victories last week we talked about a colossal failure He could kill a giant on the battlefield, but he could not conquer his own lust, his own pride. And last week we saw how that after he blew it, he had to go to God and repent, and he had to seek God so that he could be restored. And he was restored with consequences, yes, but nevertheless he is restored. And now he's coming to the end of his life. He knows he has very little time left. And may I quickly summarize his entire life with one verse. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. By the way. That's the Christian term for death. He he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. David served his God in his generation. I would uh, challenge you before I move forward. Don't you love that verse? That ought to be the verse every one of us are desiring to be spoken of at our funeral. We serve the purposes of God. As David served the purposes of God, one of his big uh, responsibilities now is to pass the baton. And so if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. I want to read the first three verses to kind of lay the foundation. 1 Kings chapter 2. When David's time to die drew near... He commanded Solomon his son saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in all his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. What an incredible challenge. David says, Solomon, it's now yours. Follow God. Obey God. Serve him. Be strong. Now, as we make the transition, you know that David will die in chapter 2. Chapter 3, Solomon has become king. Solomon is going to find himself having one of the most incredible experiences any man could ever have. He's going to have a dream where God's going to appear to him. He's going to be asked a question. What will he say? Well, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 5 makes this statement. Daddy has said, son, be strong. What does it mean to be strong? Well, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 5 says, A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. So as Solomon thinking on what does it mean to be strong, it means I've got to be wise, he's going to find himself in a dream. And God's going to say to him, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, ask what I shall give you. Have you ever thought about that? What that moment must have been like? What would you ask for? Right now, uh, they, they've got the human version of Aladdin. When um, our kids were smaller, there was the cartoon version of Aladdin. And um, I think I... Listen to Aladdin in our car probably a hundred times. I don't think I'm exaggerating. And, 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 and there's that moment when they, the, the, the Aladdin's got the lamp, and he rubs it, and, and the genie comes out. And a genie says, you can ask for three things. Now, the third one, you can't ask for more wishes. But you can ask for three, make three wishes. Solomon had something better than a genie. Solomon had God Almighty say to him ask for anything you want and at this very moment I'm wondering if Solomon goes back to his daddy who said boy you got to be strong and in order to be strong you got to be wise here's what Solomon says Solomon says give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come before this people for who can govern the people of yours which is so great solomon says i can't do it god i need you give me wisdom and what did god do god gave him wisdom first kings chapter 10 verse 34 so king solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom first kings ten twenty-four. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. May I say to you this morning, the wisest request you'll ever make of God is give me wisdom. The wisest decision request you will ever make of God is give me wisdom. What does wisdom mean? It's to see life from God's perspective to see life from God's perspective, to have a heavenly insight for earthly living. I've always loved that definition, to to have heavenly insight for earthly living. When we get to the Hebrew word of, of wisdom, it really means to be skilled, to be skilled, to have the skill for living life the way God intended it to be lived. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you had a time where you got really honest with God and said, God, I really need your wisdom? Not not pretend, not just going through the motion, but you really had that moment where you finally got to the place where you realized, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a clue how to be a husband. I don't have a clue what it means to be a wife. I don't know what it means to be a father. I can't figure this out, what it means to be a a mother. I don't know what it is to be a friend. I don't know how it is to manage money. Have you ever been to a place where you finally said, oh God, I need your wisdom. I need your insight. I've been trying it. I try what the world says. It's not working. I come with what I think it's not working. You ever been to that place? I've been there where I finally say, you know what? (laughs) I now know that I don't know. I understand that I don't understand. God, life is way too complicated. I need you. I need your wisdom. David is passing the baton. Solomon is picking it up. He's now having the opportunity to get God's wisdom. And what will he do with that wisdom? Oh, friends, one of the greatest blessings of the life of Solomon is that he did not keep it to himself, God guided him to put it in writing. He guided him to write the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Song of Solomon, three of the books that we call the books of wisdom. We're able to glean from this man how to truly live life the way God wanted it lived. In Proverbs chapter 9, Solomon will describe wisdom as a house A house that has seven pillars, which means it is strong and it is stable. And you can move into that house and you will be secure. You never have to worry about it collapsing on you. It's going to be firm. You'll be in a place of security. And then he says, within the house, there's a banquet. He pictures wisdom as a banquet. Uh, This morning, I I thought to kind of, since we've got a, a cookout tonight, I thought I'd, I'd gotta give a way of holding your attention. What is wisdom's menu? I, I, the men you're here. Uh, I'm gonna have these men serve like like waiters right now. If y'all will pass those out real quickly, um, I want you to take a look at wisdom's menu this morning. What is wisdom's menu? What does what does the banquet? Of wisdom really look like what is God offering you when it comes to wisdom as you get it I'm going to go ahead and start I need you to know something in order for you to come to the banquet table of wisdom there's two prerequisites there's two prerequisites Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does the word fear mean? Well, that has the idea of being afraid. Unless you are afraid of God. No, 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 no. no. That's not the idea here. Fear is to be in awe of God. To fear the Lord is to acknowledge there is a God. Now, the opposite of that is a fool. The fool says there is no God. But the one who fears God says, I acknowledge there is a God. I stand in awe of God. And I have a reverence for God. He is holy. He is righteous. And because of that, that leads me to a respect that's going to lead me to a obedience. The fear of the Lord is going to change how I Conduct my life. Now, when Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, he, has, he is trying everything the world has to offer. When he gets to the end of the book, he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. He says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What has Solomon done in Ecclesiastes? He said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try what the world has to offer. I'm going to try work. It didn't satisfy. I'm going to try women. Did not satisfy. I'm going to try wine. Did not satisfy. I'm going to try wealth. Did not satisfy. He tried everything the world had to offer and he came up with, I can't get no satisfaction. Mick Jagger, I can help you. Buddy, you can't get no satisfaction. Solomon couldn't get no satisfaction. And you know what? Solomon said, I know how to get satisfaction. After trying everything the world has tried, fear God and keep his commandments. You might make a note, Proverbs chapter 19, 23 says, The fear of the Lord brings satisfaction. So, if you want to come to this table, you're going to have to start with the fear of the Lord. You're never going to be able to enjoy the banquet of wisdom without first fearing God. Secondly, you're going to have to be teachable. You're going to have to be teachable. Uh, Proverbs 1 verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 18 15, The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. There's got to be a hunger in you to say, I need what God has you got to have that hunger to say, I want to find out what I don't know. A fool is a person who is a know-it-all. A wise man is going to be one who says, I know that I don't know and I need to know. Solomon says, if you want this banquet table, you're going to have to fear God and you're going to need to be teachable. So if you're at that place this morning where you're teachable, let's talk about some of the main courses of wisdom. I'm being very transparent this morning. (laughs) There's no way I can give you all the courses that's on this table. But I am going to give you a group that I hope you'll find yourself as you're hearing this message today saying, boy, do I need what God has to offer We start off with wisdom's menu. Wisdom provides guidance with their relationships. We all have to get along with other people. And God addresses that. I'm not even taking time to talk about from Proverbs how many times he talks about getting along with your neighbor, how to get along with co-workers. But I do want to highlight that God does speak to us about how we get along with our family. When it comes to the family, he says in Proverbs 22:17, 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to, notice the word, my knowledge. Every parent is supposed to be dispensing knowledge to their children. God speaks to the relationship of a parent to a child. But there's also the responsibility of a child to the parent, Proverbs 13.1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but the scoffer does not listen to a rebuke. Solomon starts off with, he gives us through the book of Proverbs, how a parent relates to the child, how the child relates to the parent if you're going to be the right kind of child you're going to be one who's going to be honoring your parent you're going to be listening to your parent you're not going to disregard you're not going to reject what your father and your mother has to say so we start off with wisdom's guidance when it comes to relationship not only with the family but with friends when it comes to friends, this is what he says, Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with a wise man will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, let's be practical to every parent in this room this morning, to every grandparent. If there's one verse you need to get your grandchild or your son or daughter to memorize, it's Proverbs thirteen twenty. I'm telling you, the truth of God's Word. You hang around the wrong people, you're going to make wrong decisions. You hang around wise people, you make wise decisions. It is crucial that you choose the right friends. Friends are like buttons on an elevator. They can take you up or they can take you down. Uh, You like that, Rick? That was a good one, wasn't it? Um, Friends. You better be careful. How careful? Listen to this statement from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked lead them astray. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Solomon says, I'm going to give you wisdom when it comes to relationships. Wisdom's menu will go on and it will talk to us about our words Wisdom will provide guidance with their words. Uh, It will teach us to watch our words. It will teach us to weigh our words. You know, a, a simple word can be so incredibly helpful. The the right word at the right time, in the right way, from the right person to the right person, can change a person's life. Just that right word. Incredible how it can build a person up. But at the same time, a simple word can be incredibly harmful. One word can be like, a, like an arrow through a person's heart. You can use your words like a tool of assassination. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 7 says, The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. Proverbs 10, 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Has your tongue ever got you in trouble? Boy, you're having thoughts right now. Yes, sir. Man, I sure wish I'd have kept my mouth shut. You know, there, there's a, that's a, that, the worldly proverb is, silence is golden. Oh, sometimes, folks, we need to hold our tongue. You see, here, here's what wisdom's going to do. When you come to this banquet table of wisdom, you're going to find wisdom helps you know not just what to say, but it'll also help you when to speak. Sometimes you need to speak, and sometimes you don't need to speak. Wisdom is going to give us a, a, a help with our words. It's also going to give us guidance with their work. The wise person is one who is diligent, responsible, as opposed to being lazy. If you read the book of Proverbs, as I challenge people to do, you're going to come across time after time after time God addressing the lazy, and he'll never say anything good about the lazy. It'll always be a challenge to that person who is lazy. you gotta, you got to go to the ant, you sluggard. you got to learn from a little bitty creature like an ant. Quit being so lazy. Get up and get to work. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. He who deals with a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes one rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. What's wisdom saying? <laughs> Make hay while the sun shines. Get to work. Get up. Get after it. Proverbs 12:27 says, diligence is a man's precious possession. When I'm looking for a man to do a job, one of the things I'm looking for is to see if he has diligence. I want to know that he's going to be faithful and doing what he's supposed to be doing. Diligence is something you want, on every, you want on your resume. It is a man's precious possession. Wisdom, moving on. Wisdom will guide us in how we handle our money teaching us more than just how to manage our money, teaches more than how to make money. But most importantly, when you come to the banquet table of wisdom, you're going to find it addresses the mastering of money. Proverbs twenty-one twenty says, There is a desirable treasure, and oil is in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. What's the worldly wisdom on this? A fool and his money is soon parted. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know when you come to God's Word, He talks about money. I've got 500 verses on, the, on prayer in my Bible. I have 2,350 verses on money. Four times as many verses on, of, of, over prayer is money. God wants you to understand you need to master money. Do not let money master you wisdom would say to you today the best things in life are not things i pulled that from luke chapter 12 from jesus teaching luke chapter 12 verse 15 says take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions You know that verse could destroy Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue would never want you to understand that your life is not about things. They put commercial after commercial after commercial telling you you got to have this and you got to have that. Parents, you got to help in this 21st century of of affluence. You got to help your child to understand the best things in life are not things the reason you're coming to the banquet table is so that you can master money and not allow money to master you wisdom will also provide guidance with their discipline wisdom will provide guidance with their discipline it will instruct us how to correctly how to respond correctly to correction um proverbs fifteen thirty one, the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise how do you respond when somebody steps into your life and says you need to stop that you know you need to stay away from that you need to be so careful i think you're playing with fire right now how do you handle it when somebody gives you the warning? First Thessalonians 5:14 talks about us as believers, supposed to warn the unruly. When somebody steps in your life and says, "You need to stay away from that, you need to get back in line. Don't go there. don't make that mistake. How do you respond? A wise person is going to receive the rebuke. But now Proverbs chapter 12, verse one, "Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, OK? But watch this, however, contrast, but he who hates correction is stupid. And you know, there's some words we try to eliminate now. We don't like to call somebody names. Uh, certain names just shouldn't be used. And at our Christian school, I, I just it's not really proper to be for someone, you're stupid. But ladies and gentlemen, the God of the universe says when you're not willing to listen to correction, you're stupid. You're stupid. That means you're thick-headed, you're hard-headed, you are resistant to what he wants to accomplish. And when you're living that way, you are more than simple, you're more than stubborn. God says you are stupid. How do you respond to correction? Are you willing to take—wisdom is going to help you understand why someone, why God himself will step into your life to, re, to rebuke you, to change the way you're living. Sin is always going to bring about destruction. He wants to keep you from it. But not only will wisdom provide guidance with our discipline on um, receiving it, he'll talk about how to discipline. Proverbs 25, verse 12 says, Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker on an obedient ear. This is my quote, it takes discipline to do discipline. When you're trying to help somebody learn how to get out of sin, to make the decision to stop doing what they're doing, you want to find the right words to say to them. And when you find that right word, and and I've had people step into my life, and they would say something, and boy, it stung, it hurt. But I realized, boy, they were speaking faithful of the wounds of a friend. They're trying to help me to stay away from something that's going to mess me up or get me out of something that is messing me up. A wise rebuker. If you come to the banquet table, God will help you to know how to say the right thing to people that will help them stay away from sin. Wisdom. Wisdom's menu moves on. It will provide guidance with their decisions. We all have decisions to make. How will we go about making those decisions? Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. I know it all. I could never be wrong. I'm perfect. Fool says, I got it. I know what to do. God comes along and says, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs Proverbs 11, 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. If I could have wisdom here right now and say, wisdom, you got any advice? Wisdom would say, my advice is to get advice. Don't go about trying to make big, hard, lifetime decisions without getting the help of others. When I was campus pastor at Liberty, one of the things I would teach students is cultivate a board of directors. Get people in your life that when you've got to make a, a big decision, a major decision, you want to ask four thing, four words. You want to say, what do you think? Wisdom will ask others, what do you think? You're not going to just go about living life on your own. You're going to cultivate and bring into your life people who will help you make wise decisions wisdom's menu continues wisdom provides guidance with their conflicts wisdom with their conflicts proverbs 24 23 these things also belong to the wise it is not good to show partiality in judgment Wisdom says you need to be careful how you are dealing with a conflict. You need to take time and understand the conflict, understand where others are coming from. Um, wisdom would say to you today, don't jump to a conclusion. There are a couple of verses I highlight on this one, Proverbs 18:13. "He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Have you ever spoken too quick? Oh my goodness, I've gotten in trouble so many times. As soon as I start hearing what's going on, oh, I got the answer. I got the answer. Hold your tongue. You don't have the whole story. matter of fact, it goes on in Proverbs eighteen seventeen. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Boy, conflict breaks out. First one given, here's what's going on. They sound so believable. But then someone else comes on and says, no, wait a minute, you, you don't have the whole story. I carry in my pocket every day a coin. 50 cent piece every day. I keep it with me. Why do I carry a coin with me? Because I'm constantly being called to be a judge, to determine who's right and who's wrong. And here's a student with a story. Here's a teacher with a story. Here's a parent with a story. I grab the coin. I grab the coin. Because the first one to tell me their side of the story, I don't know. Do I have all the story? Do I have the whole truth? I don't know. I grab a coin. Wisdom, I'm at wisdom's table and it's helping me to, to be careful not to jump to a conclusion. Wisdom will help me avoid temptations. I come to this banquet table and it's going to help me avoid temptation. A wise person fears and departs from evil, Proverbs 14, 16, but a fool rages and is self confident. I said last week, that i know that i can commit adultery and because i know that i can commit adultery is the reason i haven't committed adultery i know that there's a possibility of me choosing to go toward sin so because I know I can, I have a respect for it, and I put up the guardrails to protect me from it. The fool says, "Ah, oh, it's no big deal. You're not going to have any problem. You can go to that place. You can be with that person. You can do those things. It's not going to affect you. Wisdom says we're going to have a healthy respect for temptation. I use this statement, don't put yourself in places where you're prone to fall. And then wisdom When you come to this table, it's going to help you with your temper, with your temper. It provides guidance with one's temper. A fool vents his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Now I, I've I, I've been patient. I, I tried not to get too personal, but I just I just has any of you? I mean, sometimes your mouth gets you in trouble. Has your temper got you in trouble? Uh, my wife can tell stories. Oh, my wife can tell stories of, you know, it's just not good for the dolphins to lose. You know, the Miami Dolphins need to win. I I lose my temper. I, I lose. I, I, I just do things I shouldn't do. I, 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 you got to have control. Listen to this Proverbs nineteen eleven. This is when now it comes to working with other people. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. How quick do you lose your temper with another person? How quick do you make a mountain out of a molehill with another person? Are you able to, when a person messes up, give them some grace? Give them the ability to learn from their mistake, or are you going to blow up on them? You know, you don't have to be angry very long. It's kind of like an atomic bomb. It doesn't take long for it to go off, but oh, the destruction it will leave behind. You got to control your temper. Here's what Proverbs chapter Proverbs 16:32 says. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than one who takes a city. You're stronger than any mighty general when you can control your temper. When you come to this table, Wisdom is going to give you the insights on how to have long-suffering and patience. Wisdom's menu continues, and it's going to guide us with our time. We heard that in the testimony this morning, that we need to count, make, make every day count. I go to Psalms on this one. Psalms 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we might have a heart of wisdom. Teach us the number of days. I know my years. I'm 58 years of age. God didn't say know your years. He said count your days. You only have so many days. Here's what wisdom is saying to every one of us. We've got to know this. Life comes with an unexpected, undetermined deadline. My mom died at 56 of a sudden heart attack. Her father lived to be 98 years of age. You can't explain that. How does one die suddenly and how does one live to almost a hundred? But the bottom line is no matter how long someone lives, life comes with a deadline. And as Billy Graham said, he he could not believe how fast it went by. It's like a vapor and it's over. Wisdom says you better learn how to value time. Make the most of every day. Carpe diem. You need to seize the day. Make it count. And then wisdom provides guidance with the souls of men. I hope most of you already know the verse I'm getting ready to give you. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. Now I would ask you a question this morning. Are you wise concerning your own soul? You that are sitting in this room right now, are you wise concerning your own soul? You that are watching online right now, are you wise with your own soul? You know what Jesus said about your soul? What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Have you given your heart to Jesus? You know, back to the time thing, you know, one day, One day I'll give my heart to Jesus. One day down the road, I'll give my heart. Listen, 2 Chronicles 6 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. Do not boast yourself of tomorrow. You do not know what a day may bring. Do not waste your life, your eternity, by thinking, I've got another day. You need to give your heart to Jesus today. But what about others? Do you have a heart today for others to be saved? Are you wise concerning others when it comes to their salvation? I want to see them saved. Here's the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 1 Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you have a most wanted list? Do you have a neighbor that you want to see saved? Do you have a friend that you want to see saved? Do you have a relative you want to see saved? Do you have an associate you want to see saved? Do you have someone today, a wise person, wants to see others saved? This morning, quickly, and I told him earlier, this would be a message in which I'd be like an Egyptian mummy. I'd be pressed for time. I've tried to give you the banquet the menu of the banquet. The menu of wisdom. Just a few main courses. Just look at that list. Listen to what Solomon now says. Solomon says, come and dine. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 5. He invites you, come and dine. Come and dine. But now for you to come and dine, there's a verse 6. Verse 6 says, forsake foolishness. You can't have it both ways, folks. You're going to have to decide, I want to live a life of being wise or I want to live a life of being a fool. If you're going to be the person who's going to come to this table, you're going to have to make the decision, I'm going to fear God. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to come to his table. And as he tells me how to live, I'm going to put it into practice. You see, it's got to be more than acquiring wisdom. There's got to be the application of wisdom. Solomon says, come and dine. We started this morning by taking you to 1 Kings 2, a father's desire, a father's desire. Oh, son, be strong. Show yourself a man. When Solomon writes Proverbs, watch what he does in his writings. He will say almost the same words. Watch this, Proverbs 23, 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, myself. What's the desire of a father, of a mother? I want my child to be wise. I want them to follow God. I want them to know God. Proverbs 23, 25. Let your father and your mother be glad. And let her who bore you rejoice. Some people in this room right now, some people watching online, and you're breaking your parents' heart. More than breaking their heart, you're breaking God's heart. 30 years ago, Mother's Day, I got a phone call about 6 a.m., My mom had died. Sudden heart attack about 5 a.m. My dad found her. I go out. There she is laying on the floor. Funeral home has to come. We have to purchase a casket. Incredible, painful time. This past Mother's Day, my wife, my daughter's son, we went up to the grave there in Lynchburg, Virginia. 30 years later, as I stood at that grave, there were memories that just began to flow. I just flooded, just flooded my mind. I remembered what it was like that Sunday morning. I remembered what it was like to come out on Monday and pick out the spot where she would be buried. I, I remembered going into the church that Wednesday for the funeral. And then I remembered taking what I would call the longest walk of my life. It wasn't about 100 yards, but to walk from that church to that grave. My legs were so weak, I just couldn't believe I was following my mom's casket. And then they finished, and we made the turn, and now we're going to walk back. We're walking away. And while it was the longest walk there, it now becomes the hardest walk to walk away from my mom's grave. But as I was walking away from my mom's grave, a man stepped into my path. He had been a supervisor for me at Liberty. He had been a, he was a friend, he was a co-worker at this point. He was the dean of students. His name is John Purple. And John Purple stepped in front of me. And he puts his arm around my neck and he hugs me and he says, Duane, I want to say something to you as you walk away from your mom's grave. You gave your mom a whole lot of heartache. He knew my testimony. He knew how rebellious I had been. He knew all the things I'd been involved in. He said, you gave your mom a whole lot of heartache, but then you got your heart right with God. And when your mom died, she died knowing that you were living and serving Jesus. She died rejoicing that her son was serving Jesus. And I just wonder this morning, if there's some of you right now the need to change, breaking the hearts of parents and breaking the heart of God and start bringing some rejoicing to heaven and some rejoicing to family and some rejoicing to friends. You get, the bank, you get to wisdom's banquet table. I'll tell you what changed my life was spending months after months after months at wisdom's banquet table. I learned how God wanted me to live. Let's pray. This morning I appeal to you to say to God, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. If you need God for salvation, you call on him this morning. He, went to, he sent his son to a cross. He died on that cross for you. Rose again. And today he offers you the gift of eternal life. This morning I would say, today is the day of salvation. Call on him. Whether you're in this room or watching by tv watching by on online you call on him today maybe right now you need to be saying god i've been trying to do it on my own i've been trying to do it based on my thinking the world's thinking but i'm going to now do it based on your thinking i'm going to go after wisdom i'm going to pursue wisdom i want to get to wisdom's banquet table would you say that to god lord i need you